tonight we're going to talk about real simple, preparing to serve, preparing to serve. So I need you to take your Bibles and turn to 2 Chronicles and go to chapter 16. 2 Chronicles chapter 16. Nothing will be on the screen tonight, so you'll have to follow along, and I won't get crazy. I, well, I say that, but yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Promises, promises. Jason made an obvious point. Yeah, well, you know, hey, I wasn't going to say that because that would have been retaliation, and then that would have been out of Scripture. So anyway, <laughs> Second Chronicles chapter 16, Second Chronicles chapter 16, and we're going down to verse 13. Second Chronicles 16, go down to verse 13. <coughs> Excuse me. All right, and the scripture reads, So Asa slept with his fathers, having died in the 41st year of his reign. They buried him in his own tomb, which he had cut out for himself in the city of David. And they laid him in the resting place, which he had filled with spices of various kinds, blended by the perfumer's art, the perfumer's art, and they made a very great fire for him. Chapter 17 and verse 1. Jehoshaphat, his son, then became king in his place. Now, this is another one of those scriptures that when you're reading, you need to ignore the chapter change because this, this flows from 16 straight into 17. Completely ignore the chapter change. If you do not if you stop reading at the end of chapter 16, you're going to mess up, okay? Jehoshaphat, I'm reading 17, chapter 1. I mean, chapter 17, verse 1. Jehoshaphat, his son, then became king in his place and made his position over Israel firm. He placed troops in all the fortified cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim which Asa, his father, had captured. Verse 3, the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the example of his father David's earlier days and did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father, followed his commandments, and did not act as Israel did. Okay, and I want you to stop. So what we see is that the king Asa died and Jehoshaphat takes over in Judah, okay? There's some key things that he did. I brought this up in the, men, in the manage, manager's meeting, in the leader meeting um, today. Jehoshaphat did some key things, and I want you to get, get an understanding. In chapter 17 and verse 1, when he became king, he made his position over Israel firm. Okay? He did some specific things to make his position firm. He was preparing to serve as king. But he had to step in and he had to take some necessary steps to make his position be what it was designed to be. Okay? Look what, look what happens. He placed troops in all the fortified cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim, which Asa, his father, had captured. Now stop. He fortified what his father had done. You see that. Okay? Jehoshaphat came in, he put garrisons in place, and then he followed suit with those garrisons. In other words, just because 
just because when he came in and his father was a certain way and he had captured these cities, Jehoshaphat didn't back off of what his father did, but he, he compounded it. He made it even stronger than what it was. He fortified everything. Like a disciple, okay, we need to understand some things. When Jesus comes in and he creates a disciple, okay, he calls them and they walk with him. He teaches them and he guides them, okay? And then not only does that, but he equips them to remain his. All right, I want you to see this. He equips them to remain his. By doing that, what happens is that they'll always be identified as Jesus' disciples, okay? What, what, what Jehoshaphat did, his father Asa had captured cities. Jehoshaphat came in and said, yes, my father captured them, but I'm going to make sure you remain identified with who you've been captured by. So I'm going to fortify this, and I'm going to put garrisons here so that you remain. <clears throat> In his preparation for service, he didn't shrink his territory. And, and please, this is no prayer uh, of Jabez or nothing like that. He, in, he, in, he secured his territory. He, didn't, he wasn't enlarging it, but he secured what was his, and he secured what was identified as Judah. Okay? Jesus does the same thing with, with his disciples. Not only does he secure them, but then he gives them a certain look. He puts certain things in their places to make sure that you're identified as a disciple as he's preparing you to serve. Okay? You, are you following me? Okay? Now, understand this. When he did that, the next step, the next thing that happens here, and look at verse 3, the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. Why? Because he followed the example of his father. That's the next thing in preparing to serve. The disciples are lined up, okay, and they, God is going to be with them. Why? Not because they were good Baptists, not because they even kept the Passover, not because they were, you know, they were regular tithers or anything like that. He followed them because they kept the commandments of the Lord, and God was with them. Jehoshaphat did the same thing. He kept the commandments of God, and God stayed with him during that time. Now, then how did he know that? Well, he followed the commandments of who? His father. He followed the same steps that his father David did, but note what the scripture says in his earlier days. He, did David do some things wrong? No. Did some disciples do some things wrong? So here's, when you look at the disciples, let's take Peter, for instance. Should we be following Peter's earlier days or Peter's latter days? Exactly. Why? Why? Exactly. Exactly. And those are the days we should mimic. Joseph Jehoshaphat mimicked David's earlier days. Why? Why would he mimic David's earlier days? Because we knew for without a shadow of doubt there was no question about who David was and who he served. This is before his fall with Bathsheba. Now, keep in mind, even after his fall with Bathsheba, David, he became more and more what? What, what happened to him? After, after the baby died, what did he do? <coughs> he went back to work, and David actually became more resilient later on because of his fall. But in his earlier days, he wasn't even thinking about falling. He hadn't stumbled. 
what happened to David is David got exposed to some other things and it took him off his path, right? We're going to talk about David in a moment. But he, he followed David's earlier days and did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father, followed his commandments, and did not act as Israel did. Well, now we talk about the disciples, the same situation that the disciples were in. They followed Jesus, and you had these guys that, that, that they, they were Jews, and, and they, were, they were devout Jews, and there were all these different things. But once they got in touch with Jesus, what happened? They stopped looking like Jews, didn't they? They obeyed. They didn't, they didn't you know, they didn't violate any laws. The Pharisees noted one thing, that they didn't wash their hands before they ate. That was something that you did in Jewish custom, right? And what did Jesus respond with? What did Jesus respond? He said, it's not what you put into your body that contaminates a person. It's what comes out. Okay? So these disciples now, they're starting to look different than the rest of the people. Jehoshaphat, guess what? He looked different than Israel did. Israel had followed foreign gods. Israel had taken on foreign gods. Jehoshaphat said, no, we're going to look different. So when you're preparing to serve, you start setting these standards up. That's what God did with the disciples. He started setting up standards. Jesus started setting up standards for them to follow, for them to walk by, for them to be identified with. Okay? So, and bless you, by the way. So, look at verse 5. So he established his kingdom, established the kingdom in his control, and all Judah brought tribute to Jehoshaphat, and he had great riches and honor. So what did he do? What exactly did he do? He says he established his kingdom. What is that? What does it mean when he established his kingdom? What does that mean? Now, we know the H is small, so we're not talking about God here. But he established his kingdom. How? He set the example. He put some things into place. But what he did was he gave them a, sorry, go ahead, say it. He brought the law, exactly, and he gave them a foundation in which to stand on. So when he established his kingdom, he didn't establish it on trivial things. He didn't establish it on man-made things, but he established his kingdom based on God's design. How do we know this? Okay, well, let's keep reading. He took great pride in the ways of the Lord. Look at verse 6. He took great pride in the ways of the Lord and again removed the high places and the ashram from Judah. What he did was he removed everything that wasn't of God and reinserted what was God. This is the same thing Jesus is doing with the disciples. Everything that doesn't look like me is going to go away. And everything that is of me is going to be part of your life. Okay? So Jehoshaphat did a very unique thing. Now, this is before, this is early in his reign, y'all. He did this very early on. So he established some groundwork in order to build the kingdom that he was trying to build, in order to uplift the kingdom. That, uh, the, the people that he was trying to serve, okay? Same way works with a disciple. Same way works with you, okay? Listen carefully. All right, I want you to think back to when you got saved. Can everybody remember back when you got saved, okay? When you got saved, a couple of things happened to you. First off, your life was changed forever. I mean, it's just, you, you, 
A lot of you, most of you can't even remember coming to the altar. You just know that you just went. And, you, you, you know, when you open your eyes, you're up there and you're praying. And you, you, you remember that moment, right? You got up from the altar. And when you got up from the altar and you, you, went, you went back to your seat or whatever, they shook your hand or whatever they did, okay, whatever they did, they did it. And then what was the next step in your Christian life? Who can tell me? You started studying the law. What else? Somebody answer that because they're calling in their answer to the question. <laughs> okay. Well, somebody's listening to it live on Facebook, right? And they're like, hey, I want to tell them what I said. What'd you say, Miss Linda? That was your next step. Okay, what else? What else happened? Yeah. You see what happened? And, and that, that's, that's actually the answer I was looking for. You do. You, you are completely alone now. All of a sudden, you're out on an island on your own, okay? Because keep in mind, if you're lost, chances are all your friends are lost. Pretty good chance. Not every chance, but most of, you know, when I got saved, everyone I knew except for my wife was lost. Not my mom and my sister, but, but you know, everyone I hung, they were lost. So what happened to me is once I got saved, I'm out here on my own. I get up, I walk out, you know, pastors hugging you and shaking your hands and all this other stuff. But you still walk out on your own to be established. You walk out on your own to be established. And then what you're trying to do is establish your kingdom, your, your, your area, yourself, in the God the best way you know how. Isn't that right? That's what you try to do. Most of the time, I don't know about y'all, I didn't have that one person, even though my mom prayed for me and, and everything, she still couldn't lead me scripturally the way I needed to be led. Okay? Right, exactly. Stray away. Um, yeah, exactly. You're still physically lost. Not, not spiritually lost, but physically you're out there wondering, you know, kind of like the name of our class in the morning, what's next for me? Yeah, now what do I do? I've, re I've received this wonderful gift. I don't know what to do with it. Um, I know i got to do something with it, but what do I do with it? So then the next step in what Jehoshaphat did is he began to take steps to mimic something that he knew about, which was David or David's earlier days, okay? It wasn't even his father's earlier days. It was David's earlier days, okay? That, and how would he know that, though? Well, like Jason said, he read the law. He read the word. He had to get it, and that's what you had to do. Listen, I had no one disciple me. No one disciple me. I had no one. I, guess what I had to do? I had to identify. I tried to learn from my wife. You know, but, you know, keep in mind, she's saved and she's born again, but she's also steeped in tradition as well. OK, you don't do this. She couldn't explain to me why we did this and why we did that and all these other things, because I'm trying to discern what should I do? What shouldn't I do? 
And by the way, my wife's sitting back there, so I'm not just bad-mouthing her, okay? But what should I do? What shouldn't I do? And I'm asking her these questions. Well, why do we do this? She says, I don't know. I don't know. So guess what I had to do? Well, I had to pick up the Word of God, and I had to study for myself. And then I had to establish, I had to let God establish in me his truths, okay? Well, look at Jehoshaphat. Look at verse 6. Verse 6. He took great pride in the ways of the Lord. What does that mean? He took effort to find out God's ways and apply them in his life. Okay, that's one thing. That's how he became this, this great king and this, this servant of God is he took, he took the time. The disciples, the 12 of them, excuse me, the 11 of them, guess what they did? They took the time to go in and pull up next to Jesus and stay there. When all things, when things got hard, people left. When, people, when things were easy, people would come. But the, tw- the 11 of them, they stayed there. One of them stayed there because he had to. But the 11 of them stayed there. Why? Because there was nowhere else to go. There was no one else that could teach them what they needed to learn. Peter said it himself. Lord, to whom will we go? Okay? And that's where a lot of us are faced right now when we, when we are struggling with our discipleship or, or living a life of a disciple. Well, where am I going to go and get this information? Where am I, who am I going to talk to? By the way, y'all, we're in 2 Chronicles chapter 17. 2 Chronicles chapter 17. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Okay, so the importance of discipleship, these 12 men that Jesus is going to spend time with and he's going to, he's going to coach and bring them up, there's key. They had to be prepared first. They had to be prepared first before they could even get into the discipleship part. Okay? They had to be prepared. So now look at verse 7. Then in the third year of his reign, he sent his officials, Ben-Hail, uh, Obadiah, Zechariah, Nathaniel, and uh, Micaiah, to teach in the cities of Judah. And with them, the Levites, Shemaiah, sorry, uh, Nathaniah, and Zebediah, and Ashel, Ashel, Hell, sorry. <laughs> Shemarath, there was some, I'm going to get this right. Shemiramath, Jehonathan, okay, um, Adonijah, Tibajah, okay, or Tobajah, and Tobadanajah, <laughs> and then the Levites, and with them the uh, Ilshama and the Jehoram, the priest. They taught in Judah having the book of the law of the Lord with them, and they went throughout all the cities of Judah and taught among the people. Now, read that for a reason. Here's what happened. Jehoshaphat became a servant of God, and then he immediately did something else. As a disciple of the Lord, he started teaching others. And not only did he teach others, but he got those who were equipped to go out and teach. When you're preparing to serve, it's important that you know what your end target is, and then it's important that you have the tools to go out and achieve that target, okay? So this is just in his third year, y'all. This is just in his third year. First thing he did was establish the kingdom, his kingdom, okay? The second thing he did was he followed who God was and how God was, 
That's the second thing that he did. And then once he did that, he got rid of everything that didn't look like God. Everything that wasn't of God, everything that wasn't, wasn't supposed to be there, he eliminated it. Okay? Similar to us as being disciples. Okay? And the end result is we got to get everything that doesn't look like God, we got to get it out of our lives. Jesus spent his time taking those 12 disciples and eliminating everything out of their lives. Okay? He didn't give them a, it wasn't a list of do's and don'ts, was it? What was it? What was, how did Jesus teach them as disciples? How did he teach them? Through parables and also through comparisons. Here are the Pharisees all along, guess what? Doing their thing. And Jesus, even though he was a full Jew, still didn't look like the Pharisees. Because the Pharisees, in all reality, they were Jewish, but they weren't correct Jews. They weren't living the Jewish life the way they should have. They didn't understand it. They didn't get it. They did it a version of it, but they didn't do it properly. Jesus came and showed the Jews how to be Jews. That's really what he did. He came and showed them how to be Jews, but then through the fulfillment of the law, he showed them what the end result was going to look like. Okay? And that's why he was preparing those 12 to do that. Take your Bibles. Are y'all following me? Okay, good. Take your Bibles and go to 1 Samuel. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 16. We're going to talk about David's calling a little bit. We're going to talk about what the earlier days of David, what Jehoshaphat was looking at. So in 1 Samuel... Chapter 16, and go down to verse 5. 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 5. Now what has transpired here is that Saul has, 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 has disobeyed God. He's done, all these, he's done all these things. He's made excuses and everything. Saul is the perfect example of what not to do, okay? And let me tell you something. You're going to learn what to do and what not to do as a disciple. Paul, Saul is the perfect example of what not to do. So in verse 5, the scripture reads, he said, In peace I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me. Now he's talking to Jesse. Come with me to the sacrifice. He also consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they entered, he looked at Eliab, and thought, surely the Lord's anointing is before him. Okay? Now look what God, how God responds. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as a man sees, for a man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So the first thing that Samuel is learning in this calling is, wait a minute, I got to look at it like God looks at it, and don't look at it like I look at it. Same thing Jesus is teaching to the, the disciples. These parables that no one could understand, not even, even the disciples. Why? Because Jesus is teaching them in the fashion the way God would teach them, not how man would teach them. Okay? Understand this. Jesus is teaching in parables, and they're not getting it. Why? Because they're looking at it through the flesh. Yeah, through man's eyes. So he sees 
this young man, and he thinks this is going to be the guy. This guy's strong. This guy's big. This is going to be the guy. And God says, no, it's not. Look at verse 8. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Now look what happens immediately. First Samuel looks at the first one and says, this one's got to be it. And God, then Samuel listens to God. No, don't look at the statue. Don't look at the, don't look at the, 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 the way they carry themselves. Don't look at the way they look. I want you to look the way I'm telling you to look. And guess what happens? The very next one that came by, comes by him, Samuel starts looking at him in the right way, and he immediately knows without God even saying a word, okay? You know, that's not the one. He's in tune with God now. He's got the eyes that God has when it comes down to finding them. Now, look at this. The next Jesse uh, made, Shammah, Shammah passed by, and he said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Now get this. Now he's got it figured out. I want you to understand something about Samuel as a servant. The Lord told him what he was looking for, and guess what happened? He started looking for that. He told, the Lord told him how to look for him, and he's like, okay, now I get it, God. That's the other thing with the disciple, and this is where we struggle. The Lord tells us how to do things, but we still want to do it through our own natural ways. And when we do that, it hinders us to see things the way God sees them. That's why the disciples had such a hard time with the parables and not understanding why this doesn't work and why that doesn't work and not understand. And Jesus would always tell them what? Either he'd say, oh, ye a little faith, or you, it's not possible for you to understand right now, okay? You, you see that. See, and, but when these disciples were finally released through the power of the Holy Spirit, guess what happened? The eyes were opened. The discernment started happening. Samuel didn't have that discernment until God taught him how to discern. You see what I'm saying? You see that? God physically taught him. Wait a minute. You're looking at Let me show you how discernment works. I mean, I, 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 you see what happens. Samuel says this. Well, that's the one. It's kind of like walking up on the car dealership, right? And, well, I'll just tell you. Let's use, I love using my Mustang as an example. I'll use it again. I walk up to buy my Mustang two years ago. And when I walk up on the dealership, there's Mustangs out there. There's Mustangs out there. Okay? Nice Mustang but not my Mustang, okay? I'm walking out there, and I'm looking. I'm like, no, that's not the one. Well, why is that not the one? That's beautiful. Look at that one. It's got this. It's got the big screen. Yeah, but it's not the one. Man, that's a pretty color. Yeah, the color's beautiful. It's not the one, okay? So then I walk up. I see another one. No, that's not the one. Well, what's wrong with that one? It's the color you're looking for. Yeah, but it's not the one. I'm looking, and I'm like, and the one I was, it was, it was black, but it wasn't the one I wanted. Why? The wheels weren't right. Something wasn't right. The interior wasn't quite right. No, that's not the one. And I looked at several Mustangs. And then I finally, and I told my friend, I said, the Mustang I want is not here. Just like I, the one I want is not here. He's like, well, okay. And I, I went online, and I found the one that I was looking for. 
And it was at their Bessemer dealership. And I said, I found the one that I want. And then, of course, he's like, no, that's not the one. I don't think they make that one. And guess what? The one that I wanted was the price that I was looking for. It was the color that I was looking for. It had the options I was looking for. It had the wheels I was looking for. It had everything. I'm like, that's the one. I don't think that's the one. Yes, that's the one. And Barney will tell you, David, I don't think that's it. Yes, it is. David, I don't think they sell them at that price. I said, yes, they do. As I'm telling you. I said, and we took, I said, and I got to go look online. Here it is. He pulled it up. He said, David, that's the one you're looking for. I said, I know. That's the one I'm looking for. That's the one I want. Yes, that's the one I want. He said, wow. I said, you need to get it on up here. Because by that time, Bonnie's like, this is the last car you're ever going to buy. Yes, ma'am. That's one. That's the one I want. That's the one that was called for me. Now, when she said yes, I went up there real quick at lunch. I mean, it took me an hour to get the car. I was back at, the, I was back at work. I took my lunch hour and bought it. You have to do those things quick before they rethink it. Anyway, um, but, but it, none of them were the ones. And I, but, see, I had, to, I had to get my friend Greg to look at it through my eyes. This is what I'm looking for, Greg. Not only is it the color and the style and it has the spoiler that I want and it has the interior that I want and the shifter looks the way I want. I said, this is what I'm looking for. But the price is where I need it, too. And once he started looking at it the way I was looking at it, guess what happened? That's your car, David. Yeah, thank you. I know. So look at this. So he, he finishes up in verse 10. It says, the Lord has not chosen these. And then look at verse 11. And Samuel said to Jesse, are these all the children? Now, this is key in discipleship. Asking the right question. Not the, notice how he asked the question, are these all the children? What would have been the wrong question to ask? How, would, how could you have asked the See, a lot of times we don't get the answer that we want because we don't ask the question in the right way. So how would it, what would be the wrong way to ask that question? Hmm? I'll show you. Keep reading. Okay. Are these all the children? He said, there remains yet the youngest, and behold, he is tending the sheep. Then Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. Now, there's some unique things about this. And I'll explain the other question I'm asking you later. But there's some unique things. He says, sending Jesse, he says, are there any other children? Are there any other children? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, and behold. He is tending the sheep. Out of all of the children, and of all the ones that he was looking for, only one was leading sheep. Only one was leading sheep. That was the one that God wanted. The rest of them weren't leading sheep. The rest of them were applying for a job. David was doing what? He was serving. David was serving. He wasn't trying to apply. He was serving. He was already out tending the sheep. Keep in mind, when we find that later on down the road, when David is getting ready to fight Goliath, what is he doing? He's doing the exact same thing a shepherd should be doing, defending his sheep. How is he defending it? He, David talks about, hey, I've killed the lion. I've killed the bear. 
this uncircumcised Philistine, he, what, is, what is he? You know, can you imagine Goliath hearing that? What did he call me? Did he just call me something? Hey, Joseph, what did he just call me? What did he say? You know, no. He, so David already, you understand something about this disciple, something about God's servant. He already had the characteristics that God was looking for. He had the traits that God was looking for. He was already serving the sheep. Okay? These are David's earlier days. Then Samuel said to Jesse, send, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he come. The way you could have asked the wrong question is Samuel could have said simply, well, I guess there's no one else, is there? That would have opened up Jesse to say what? No. But he said, are there any other children? Jesse couldn't lie. Okay. He didn't ask. He asked the question in the right way. Look at verse 12. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with beautiful eyes and handsome appearance. Well, wait a minute. I thought you didn't look at the outside. No, 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 no. You got to understand what made him beautiful and handsome. Okay? What made him beautiful and handsome was the heart. And it was an overflow. Okay? Now, that don't mean that my heart ain't right just because I ain't beautiful and handsome. Okay? My heart's right. But he says, and, and I, the handsome appearance, and the Lord said, Arise, anoint him for what? This is he. The Lord said, Arise and anoint him for this is he. Wow. He, he was beautiful. He had beautiful eyes. And he was ruddy. What does ruddy mean? We probably use the word a little rusted. Unkept, a little rusted, you know, kind of, yeah, maybe had a little sheepish smell to him. Yeah, sunburn, yeah, had a little wet in him, Jason. <laughs> yeah. Now look at this. Then Sam took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers. Now, a disciple, openly called as a disciple. Notice this. When Jesus walked with the 12, did he ever hide them anywhere? He showed, he showed the Pharisees and everyone, listen, you call them sinners. You, I've got tax collectors, I've got a lawyer, I've got fishermen, I've got, hey, I've got all of this over here, but I'm not denying them. I'm letting you know that I, God, myself, am approving of these men. He does the same thing with you. He doesn't hide you after he calls you and after he prepares you. What does he do? He's letting the world know I've approved of these people. These are my people. They are approved of me. Understand that, and they will show the world, just like he, has showed, he showed David's brothers by anointing them with oil, anointing David with oil in front of them. They're seeing the prophet saying, God approves of him. The youngest, the one that's serving, the one that's not applying for a job, the one that's not, that, that's not trying to be. And keep in mind, they knew why Samuel was there, to be king. Wait, to find the king, where's the king at? Who's going to be the king? Well, guess what? It's kind of like when, when they were trying to get Moses married off, right? He finds the one 
with the right heart. Now look at this. He anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. <laughs> the early days. He got anointed. The Spirit came on him. And then David went on to serve God the way he was supposed to. But understand how his service went. Look at this. Go to verse 14. Now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. It left Saul, went to David. And an evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. Saul's servants then said to him, Behold, now an evil spirit from God is terrorizing you. An evil, listen, to, an evil spirit from God is terrorizing you. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you. Let them seek a man who is skillful, who is a skillful player on the harp. And it shall come about when the evil spirit from God is on you that he shall play the harp with his hand and you will be well. So Saul said to his servants, provide for me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Then one of the young men said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, Bethlehemite, who is a skillful musician, a mighty man of valor, a warrior, one prudent in speech, and handsome man, and the Lord is with him. This is David. Now guess what he did? Not only did he anoint him as one of his as his servant, but then he sent him right to the enemy to do his business. That's the way the discipleship worked. Guess where the disciples had to go? The 11 had to end up going where, y'all? After, after Jesus had died on the cross, he paid the price. He came and he, 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 he rose from the grave. He walked around. He ascended. The Holy Spirit came. And where did the disciples have to go? Yeah, but we, who did he send them right back to? He sent them right back to the ones that were trying to kill Jesus. Yeah. He sent them right back in there, and that's where they had to go. Saul, who has an evil spirit on him, so understand this call to serve. First off, you've got to be prepared. And then when you get the call to serve, guess what happens? You don't pick and choose where you're going, right? And chances are you're going to go right back where you were because the change that was in you needs to be proven to those who are needing the change. So you go back to your friends after you walk out of the church. They're lost and you're not anymore. What do they see? The anointing of the Holy Spirit should be on you. The power of the Holy Spirit of God should be resting on you, should it not? Because that's who you're going to see first. When you come back from church or whatever you've been at and you've been saved and you become a disciple of God, guess what happens? Go and show yourself. Look what happened to me, guys. Ah, you ain't saved. Come on. Take some of this. No. Can't. No. I won't. No. I'm different. I'm not the same anymore. That's what happens. But you don't stop serving just because they're not like you. You see? Because so, guess what? We read on. David did. He did play the, he played the harp. He played all of these instruments. And guess what it did do? It did soothe Saul. So take your Bibles. Go back to Ecclesiastes, I mean, uh, 2 Chronicles. 
Go to chapter 18. Because we talk about this evil spirit from God. Look at verse 18 in chapter 18. Micaiah Micaiah said, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing on his right and on his left. The Lord said, who will entice Ahab, king of Israel, to go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said while uh, this, while another said that, then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, how? He said, I will go and be a deceiving spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. Then he said, you are to entice him and prevail also. Go and do so. What happens? What happens? God sent a deceptive spirit to do what? His will. I'm not saying this spirit was a disciple of God like we are, but you have to understand when you come under the power of God, which everything is, you will do what God has designed you to do. And this deceptive spirit did just that. You had, other, you had the other spirits, I mean, the other hosts up there talking. Well, who's going to go? Who's going to go and entice Ahab? Because, see, the whole plan was for, to deal with Ahab. Ahab was acting incorrectly towards God. He was listening to the wrong people. He was trying to do something. And when the real prophet came in to tell him, you better not go and do that, Ahab turned around and said, see, I told you, he's always saying something bad about me. He ain't ever got nothing good to say about me. See, Ahab, uh, Ahab was one of those kings that was, had the itching ears. He only wanted to hear the good things, and when people told him the good things, he'd follow the good things. But this prophet, being a true prophet and a true, true disciple of God, he always told him the, the truth. It wasn't that it was bad. It was just the truth. And Ahab didn't adhere, adhere to it. So guess what? God allowed him to follow this deceiving spirit. And he enticed him. He said, I'll go do it. Now, keep in mind, in the presence of God, there's this deceiving spirit. God is not deception, but who, who is? Who is? Go now. Exactly. So in this spirit, this is a devil because the devil means deceiver that is up there. And he says, I'll go. He says, who will do it? I'll do it. Okay, because it's the host of heaven that's up there on the left and on the right. Right. So same thing that happened when Saul was possessed with this spirit. There was a spirit there. And he says, well, I'm going to send this spirit to Saul because of his actions, because of his behavior. It's not my fault. It's his. And it wasn't. So understand this. <coughs> To summarize, what you have to understand about the disciples and what you have to understand about yourself as a disciple. First off, you know you've been called, okay? 
So you have to set up preparation. What is that? What does that include? What will preparation include? Studying the scripture, what else? Prayer. What else? That going seeking others, but there's got to be a commitment level to you, from you. It's, you got to be committed. Listen, listen, the disciples had to be committed to follow Christ. They had to be committed. They, he called them, and, and they had to stick. Because keep in mind, the Spirit of God hadn't rested on the disciples yet. So they didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit that was working in them. They just had Jesus. And all they kept seeing was what Jesus did, and that kept them going. Okay? Well, for you, is it any different now? You see the power of the Holy Spirit and what it's doing. So what does it do? It keeps you going. And it keeps that, okay, wow, I see the Spirit working. I see the Spirit working, and you keep going. And then there comes the call. There comes the call. The call is what? Is God looking for the right things in you to be his disciple? Not saying you have to do anything, but you see, when he called you, when he called David, he didn't look at the outside because David wasn't the, the biggest. He wasn't the strongest. He wasn't, he wasn't the tallest. But his heart was the purest. You see what I'm saying? And so when that call hit, God said, this is the one. Same thing with my Mustang. It wasn't a, it was, it's not the fastest one out there. Some of the ones that were, were prettier than mine, there were there was some GT350s out there that would eat mine for lunch. But it wasn't the one that was called. Okay? And so and that's what you have to understand. These things we, we have to understand when we look at these disciples and we get back into them next week. I need you to understand what Jesus was looking at, what his purpose was behind them, and how they had to do specific things. Just like Jehoshaphat had to set up his kingdom, he had to, he had to establish what he knew. He had to establish what he knew. And he had to set it in firm and make sure everybody knew this is mine. Same thing that the disciples had to do. When Jesus was gone, guess what they were going to have to do? They were going to have to set in stone, hey, this is who I am in Christ, period. There's no changing me. There's no, there's no me walking away from this or nothing like this. This is who I am. Jehoshaphat set it up, and then he determined himself to follow God's ways. The disciples determined in themselves to follow God's ways. Okay? So I want you to remember that as, there, as we're learning because we're going to go to James. And then we already did uh, Judas Iscariot, but we're going to do the other Judas. Okay? And then we're going to do John. And when we get to Peter, it's going to be critical that you understand what I've just taught you tonight. Because their callings and the way they're going about and what, what they're going to experience. And, and I know Peter, we, we, we really give Peter a bad shake. We really do. You know, Peter, Peter, bless his heart, yeah, he was prideful. He was boastful. He was all of those things. He was so many of those things. But guess what? Yeah, exactly. And God, Jesus looked at his heart. And he knew what, and he, see, and the other thing that you have to understand is, he didn't give up on any of them. He never quit on any of the disciples. Okay? And, and keep in mind, the 12 never quit on him. Even in their weakest state, they never quit. 
yeah, no, I know they weren't at the cross. I, 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 you know, and I know, you know, Thomas, he had his issues. He didn't believe unless, they, but he still didn't quit. Thomas is just like the rest of y'all sitting out here. I need a little bit more proof. And y'all do the same thing. Y'all got the same Gideon attitude that, you know, you, you make the fleece wet, make the ground wet, make it dry. Do it. Y'all do the same thing. You know, my wife, she, she, she did it. You know, God's going to have to, you're going to be, I'm going to be a pastor's wife. God's going to have to come down here and tell me. Well, guess what? She heard her answer, didn't she? I'm sorry, you want me to tell me, you want me to stop using you today? Okay, I'm sorry. She was looking at me. She like, I know she rolled her eyes. Janet, you don't have to help her. My goodness. But that's the thing. That's where we are. Okay, so we have the same struggle. But there's some basic things we find in the Old Testament. And I wanted to use these gentlemen because I need you to understand that they took, they, 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 they responded to God in a specific way, and then there was a reason why God had selected them. Okay? So just a little break from the 12. We'll be back on James next week. Any questions? Is anyone confused? I know everybody's sleepy. It's been a long day. I'm sleepy. I need a nap so bad. Ooh, I need a nap. No questions? Yes, That's in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 18. 2 Chronicles chapter 18. No questions? None at all? Brother Ernie Hanley, would you dismiss us in prayer?